Hello and welcome to another UK Detailing Academy minicast. These are our short bursts look into various topics to help you with your detailing questions, all with a little help from our team of instructors here at the Academy. And joined again by James. Say hello, James. Hello. We are number three now, I believe, of our little mini supercar look into how to do detail-y stuff. How to OCD2, far too clean. Off a little bit of a tangent there, <laughs> mentally, I think. But no, in this one, uh, we're going to be covering the internals of a car. Previously, we've covered the exterior and the professional setup side of it. So we're going to be looking at the cabin and the engine bay. Uh, just a general overview of points to consider. We don't, we're not concentrating on any one particular mark of car here, just more of a what you need to bear in mind when you do take, start taking in supercars. Um, once we're done on the interior, we're going to finish up with a look at protection options. But for now, we're going to kick off with the cabin. So, James, what can you tell us about the cabins? Well, very much uh, in line with the exterior, really. It's the types of materials that we come across when we're learning supercars. Um, <clears throat> a lot of materials are used for their um, weight-saving abilities, but we also see a lot of exotic materials being used. Um, like pineapples. Yep, pineapples, bananas. Um, uh, what, what sort of materials are we talking about? Then? Well, uh, same with the exterior. The first thing that pops to mind is the carbon fibre. Mm -hmm. um, even on sort of sports cars now, we see uh, the top-end Audis, the RSs and the Ss are using carbon fibre trims on the interior. Um, and not necessarily clear-coated. A lot of bare carbon fibres in there now. Yeah, so they're starting to use a lot of, um, I think it's precious, um, autoclave formed carbon. So instead of resin set, it's autoclave set. So it's almost sort of a matte finish. Yeah. Um, which looks look, very cool. <clears throat> it looks very cool. It's quite difficult to scratch, but it is quite susceptible to moisture ingress, uh, mm -hmm. as we chatted previously on the on the last mini cast. And the last thing you want is for someone to come along with a nano and go, "Oh, that needs to be shiny." Yeah, exactly. We want to make sure that those surfaces are kept how they should be, um, or even uh, waxed. Yeah, yeah. Even putting anything that will enhance the gloss of a surface, it should be matte. Really wants to be kept away. Mm -hmm. um, and then we know that Lamborghini have, have started using forged carbon fiber. So lovely, that yeah. isn't it? Looks like a very expensive bowling ball. I was going to say, looks like the expensive uh, version of the sound deadening you get in cheap cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the back of the ABS plastic in the boot of a BMW. <laughs> um, and metals as well. Um, you know, from working with uh, sports cars over the years Ferrari loved to use polished stainless steel this was, this was the one we were talking about just before we came on with the uh, the footrest on the 360 that sort of yeah. just slightly brushed yep which where you put your foot that's always got bits of dirt on it yeah and the, Not... t the temptation to grab a tube of autosol and try and bring it back to, to mirror finish yes you suddenly you've lost the, the finish the, that the was intended. Finish supposed to be on there, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, things like the gear knobs in Ferraris that have the, the aluminium ball gear knobs, mm -hmm. they're supposed to be satin finished. They're not supposed to be shiny. Um, yeah. And I've seen loads of detailers that go in there and try and make them shiny. And then there are... <laughs> leather, really, is, is... Depending on the type of supercar you're working on, leather is still kind of the material of choice because it's so hard wearing we're back to that ridiculous options list thing that we, yeah, we started yeah. out with exterior but with interiors your your options are fairly infinite aren't they so what, what sort of leathers are we talking about it's not just basic pigmented leathers like you can have in any car 
No, I mean, we see the introduction of, of sort of uh, Napa hides, goat skins, you know, pig's leather is very soft, very stretchy, very tough. Um, and even in some of the really fancy cars, like the Koenigseggs and, uh, do you remember the Spikers? Oh, Spikers. Yeah, they used to use ostrich leather and things like that. So it's just being aware of the types of leather and how we have to treat them differently. Um, I think the most... Uh, important one to be aware of is aniline leather. Okay, so what, what's what's the, the process for testing out aniline? So aniline leather is absorbent. Um, it's quite different to normal um, sort of PU coated or um, tanned leathers. So a, a, just a simple putting a moist finger on, a, on an inconspicuous area will identify it as aniline almost straight away because it will leave a wet mark Okay. soaked in so so for the for the sake of before you start cleaning a leather seat making your finger slightly wet pressing it onto the seat and leaving it for 10 seconds to see if it absorbs and how much how much will that save you if you were to wreck those unlined seats do you think i mean we've, we've had a chat with the guys over in germany at color lock and and you know it's impossible to save watermarked unaligned leather yeah. it's just you can't do it so so you know. instead, instead of having to fork out for a brand new pair of seats just get, put your finger wet put it somewhere inconspicuous it's got the leather on there and you could uh, save yourself a lot of hassle yeah that's it uh, last thing you want to do is go jumping on it with apc or something along those lines you know uh, we always recommend when you, when you're working on leather a damp cloth first because it may be that a lot of this stuff is just on the surface and a damp cloth will get it off absolutely especially if it's got protection on there already yeah and then steer towards a specific leather cleaner once you've um sort of come to the conclusion that it needs cleaning mm-hmm. um the other thing to consider as well when you're cleaning leather on these cars is a lot of them have contrast piping contrast stitching um and certainly sewn crests into the seats or sewn emblems into the seats um they use very strong thread to do these sort of um, emblems and stuff but if if you're trying to scrub a seat with a stiff brush you're always going to fluff up that thread yeah um, and that's not the sort of thing that can just go and get rectified somewhere you know that was that was in, that was embroidered at the factory in the trim department so you know consider things like that the thing to bear in mind I think is that none of these cars are designed to be graceful to get in and out of. No. So no. you you are generally going to have a weak spot on the bolster, at least of the driver's side. So just be very cautious over cleaning that that kind of area because you've already got a, a weak spot. Yeah, it's a high. There, there are high wear areas, and likewise with the steering wheels. You know, a lot of these cars. We're sort of leading us on to the next bit. Are looking at specialist fabrics that are used. Um, a lot of these vehicles will use suede or. more likely Alcantara for for sort of high contact grip areas so seat pads steering wheels Um, you know Alcantara is a synthetic manufactured cloth it's not actually a leather product Mm -hmm. so when you're cleaning it you can be a little more aggressive with cleaning um, but you still want to stick to that sort of pH neutral element and abrasion is the killer, really, for Alcantara and colour fastness. So if you if you do decide to go for a diluted APC on Alcantara, you need to check for colour fastness first mm. because there, there's nothing worse than taking the colour out of, of Alcantara. Like, like the, the, the monitor generally says, you know, if you, if you start with the 
the, the gentlest cleaning method with Alcantara, you should you would always start with a dry clean first to see if you can just hoover off. Yep, hoover it, and then and then it's naturally going to repel. Just go for a damp cloth. Mm -hmm. you know, I've generally been able to clean most Alcantara surfaces with a damp cloth. Um, it's only when I've had, funnily enough, my own car, which has got light grey Alcantara seat sensors that I've had to use a very, very mild APC just to get some stains out. Um, and then when we do come to suede, that's a completely different story. Mm -hmm. um, if we uh, can physically identify it as suede, we need to go down the route of using specific suede cleaners if it's required. Um, and nine times out of ten, that is usually a rubber brush mm -hmm. over anything else. Yeah, so that that's sort of the main uh, interior surfaces. Okay, that's that's the that's the material size. Uh, what about equipment wise? Is there anything we need to do differently? Because there are bells and switches and whistles all over the place, aren't there? Yeah, that's right. Um, the the amount of switch gear in a lot of these cars that are sort of race oriented, I say race oriented, track oriented. <clears throat> um, the one that springs to mind is is the 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 Ferrari race switch on the steering wheel. <laughs> You know the the quantity of switch switches that are fitted in these supercars is is immense. You know it's like a cockpit of a fighter jet. So when you're in there spraying products around, which really you shouldn't be, um, just be aware that if you get water water ingress into some of these switches, it, it could be game over and a massive bill coming your way. Yeah, an ECU is not cheap, and it's amazing how far a, uh, a short can travel. That's right, yeah. It's not necessarily just the switch that's get damaged. It's the control unit at the other end of that. So spray to cloth and wipe where possible. Yeah, spray to cloth, or, again, use a very soft detailing brush. Mm -hmm. um, nine times out of ten, the majority of dust and, and contamination on an interior is, is removable with a vacuum cleaner and a brush. If you do need to wipe over a surface or a switch, just a damp cloth to start with uh, and slowly work up from there. And in terms of if you need to, you're, you're going to be moving switches around and everything, you you want to kind of recenter everything? Or is there a standard? Yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> so for me, I'd always try and return everything back to how the owner dropped the car off. Um, and again, we'll make reference to it again. The race switch in the Ferrari is a very good example. Um, we are moving a switch that has a massive effect on the drivability of the vehicle. So if our customer is expecting that car to be set in rain mode, and they're driving it down a wet road and you've left it in race after wiping it you know there's there's serious repercussions of and, that and customers will always assume the, you know, the the amount of times you uh, you hand back a even something simple like an, an audi or a ford that's got the uh, the auto uh headlights and they're not swept they're, they're not set to auto because you've switched and you yeah. get a, an angry phone call saying my lights don't come on anymore yeah, imagine that with a uh trash control yeah, yeah supercar yeah with the trash control switch um so yeah a higher higher quantity of switch gears uh, same with displays so um we see a lot of uh fancy a lot more fancy displays in supercars uh things like the mclarens have got really cool sort of central display um, screens. You're getting a lot more wraparound stuff, aren't you now? Yeah, and the clock sets generally are an LCD screen now. We don't really have needles and numbers anymore. We have uh, effectively a flat screen telly in front of the steering wheel. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing really is the um, head-up displays. <clears throat> so obviously being a BMW nut, the E60 M5, that's has, that has one. Um, and it was always something that detailers and validators forgot to clean. Um, and it was effectively a little um, cubby hole on top of the binnacle, and it just filled with dust and crud. But it's polycarbonate, so you need to be careful where you clean it. 
Yeah. Um, and likewise, <clears throat> a lot of these track-orientated cars, GT3 RS is a great example. Um, one of the options is polycarbonate windows. So we might see rear screens, side screens, that are plastic, effectively. Mm -hmm. So they're a bit more of a, sc a scratch risk. Yeah, massive scratch risk. <clears throat> and then the other option is, the, the other thing to think about is if you are a detailer or a valeter that likes to use glass polish, it's a massive 901 polycarbonate. Mm -hmm. um, and likewise, a, a, a sort of a good segue to um, from the polycarbonate screens is that some of these cars are now coming with roll cages. Um, so we need to be aware of uh, maneuverability inside the vehicle when we are actually working in there um, and the possibility of running hoover hoses over gloss-painted roll cages and stuff trying to access areas that, that we can't get to. And just remembering to clean them in general, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, the GT3 RS, I think some of them had a red roll cage. It's quite an obvious part of the car. Yeah, and if it's, it's, a, got, it's a feature more than anything else. Yeah, and if it's got greasy fingerprints on it, it just, you know... It's it's another area to miss, but try not to take out the uh, the safety stickers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, any 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 vehicles that uh, you know I've worked on race cars in the past, or even cars that used in hill climb events that are still road cars. Try not to remove any sort of track stickers or scrutineering stickers or anything like that. If they're still in there, it's because the customer wants them in there. And Unless they specifically ask you to remove them, they, yeah. they could potentially be part of the provenance of the car. Yeah, or ask the customer. That's usually the best bet is when you do the appraisal on the vehicle and in the in the beginning, ask the question and then there's no um, there's no element of doubt there at all. Um, on the safety aspect of things, the the harnesses as well. Um, Porsche GC3 is probably the, again it's another five point multi harness. Yeah, so they you know they're fitted with Schroth harnesses as an option. Um, likewise with seat belts. Be super, super careful when trying to clean them. If they're stained, a damp cloth to start with. You don't want to get them too wet. You need to make sure they're fully dry before the car leaves. Avoid any sort of solvents or anything that could damage the fibres within the, the belt itself and, and just, yeah, make sure that you're extra careful with them. Fab. Okay, well, I think that, that covers broadly the uh, the steps for the interior uh still technically interior because it's contained within the car is the engine bay yeah one of the most heart-wrenching parts of detailing supercars well this is the thing because because supercars don't do the the typical mileage that your your average road car will do so you're unlikely to see the same sort of grime build up and accumulation in a um, supercar that you would see in a in a subaru that's been thrashed around the country lanes for five minutes if yeah. there is a, a large amount of oil in there there's a problem that's also not yours yeah exactly that i mean we're <clears throat> realistically when looking at supercars we're we're walking down the avenue of dry cleaning uh, it's not a topic that we like to talk about too often in in detailing but most of the surfaces that we're cleaning within an engine bay are going to be painted or coated or metal or plastic or rubber. So um, the the f the safest option again is a damp cloth because nine times out of ten it's just dust. And then we can go down the route of a mild APC or even better waterless products, quick detailers, things like that. So like ONR that kind of thing. Yeah, ONR. ONR quick detailers, even some of the paint cleaners that are less aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you, you know, avoid using anything with a heavy solvent content 
Um, you know, things do get hot in engine bays and electrics do happen. Mm -hmm. So it's always best to try and keep it water-based. And um, even even more important than, than on a road car, I suppose, is to make sure that the engine is nice and cool before you, you touch it with anything. Yeah. Yeah. For, firstly, for your own health, you don't want to be inhaling any hot vaporized products. But secondly, for um, safety of the vehicle, you know, we don't want to cool down anything metal that doesn't like to cool down quickly. Um, last, last thing you want to do is crack a hot exhaust manifold on a McLaren P1. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would be too keen on seeing that happen. Um, Definitely not your insurance company. Right? Yeah, I don't think your insurance company would be too happy. Um, another thing to note is, is engine bays in some of the top-end cars do have quite large um, sort of, I'm going to call them garnish panels because they don't really serve a purpose apart from looking nice. Um, so things like the Ferrari Speciales and the Performantes of the those nice sort of carbon form panels that are yeah. clipped into the side to hide all the electrics. Yeah, so some of those panels, they might be easy to remove. Um, mm -hmm. So do the research, see if they are. If they are, you can you can pull those out. And if they're nice, big, painted carbon or carbon panels, polish them up, add protection. That's going to help in the long run to keep the car, uh, keep the area clean, make it easy to clean. Um, yeah, and then get them back in, refit them properly. I suppose the other thing, thinking about that as well, and it, this also comes down to the um, the order you're doing or you're working, is the the engines in supercars are generally right in the middle with about a foot or two worth of body around them because they're a nice wide beast. So using things like um, wing protectors, panel protectors on there, stopping yourself from trailing wires over it is more important than ever, especially if you've if you're you're getting ready to just do a little um, a, a tickle on the bodywork if you. Yeah, yeah, it's always worth. Even if you if you look at the the guys that work on these cars every single day of the week, the dealerships will have clip-on um, panel covers to protect the paintwork. So you know, because it's a lot cheaper than respraying it. That's right. Um, so you know, for if you're not used to working on these cars, it's even more um, applicable. Um, just get yourself some mechanics wing covers. They're just like a, a soft neoprene. Um, padded blanket effectively just lay it over the car yeah as much as you might think oh that'll never happen to me i'm being super careful only one thing needs to fall out of your pocket or your glasses yeah. fall off or or a zip yeah. anything like that uh, button on your trousers even your trousers themselves can scratch paintwork quite easily mm -hmm. so yeah just just and you are leaning in a very odd set of angles generally to to get full access to these engine bays and that little glass window at the back Yes, yeah. If you're doing a, a Ventador SV and you smash the rear glass, it's probably going to set you back about 45 grand. Mm -hmm. So we should try and avoid that, if possible. Yeah, well, that, carry, that carries on with the general, just take things a little bit carefully and a little bit uh, bit slower than you would with a standard car. Yeah. Hedge uh, your bets. Yeah, and again, we're sort of back to the, the sort of supercar tax um, myth. You know, we're charging more because we're spending more time on it. You know, mm -hmm. it requires more attention. It requires more uh, care when working on these difficult areas um so you know charge accordingly take more time if you need it don't rush through the job because you're only getting paid a certain amount quote the job correctly um but yeah the, the other parts of the engine bay to, to sort of consider are caps lids uh tanks sort of the pseudo bright work stuff yeah yeah we, we sort of we still class it as bright work don't we yeah um you know the 
again, that some of the Ferraris are supposed to be a satin finish, so don't go mad trying to get them chrome, but make the effort to clean them. Um, you know, there are there are supercars out there, they get absolutely hammered. People take them on track days and stuff. You're going to get mistings of oil around caps and stuff. You know, just make the effort to clean it off. Use a mild APC, make sure it's suitable with the surface. Um, if it's not, switch products to something less aggressive. Um, <clears throat> and if, if you're unsure of the surface entirely, you know, use use a warm, damp cloth. You know, a, a warm or a hot, damp cloth will most likely remove most grease from a, a cap or a rounder cap if it's just a light mist in. What about your uh, your little bugbear of anodized finishes? Yeah, they're an absolute nightmare. Um, things like tailpipes. <clears throat> tailpipes are an absolute killer. Um, we've got... I say everyday cars, there's cars that I still can't afford, but things like the S-Line Audis, the M Performance BMWs, they're running black chrome tailpipes, which is a chemically treated, coated steel. Electroplated. Yeah, it's just, and you can't do anything with it. If you polish it, it takes it off. If you leave it, it looks terrible. You know, you just need to make sure that whatever you do doesn't make it worse than it was when it came in and doesn't affect the factory look. Um, you know, we've seen adverts for metal polish where the before is taken of a black tailpipe that's got dirt on it and the after picture is of a chrome tailpipe. Uh -huh. And it's because that metal polish has taken off the anodized finish as they've worked through it. Um, another thing to consider as well is is a lot of these sort of track car, racy type cars, supercars. The material they use exotic metals for some of the exhaust pipes. So um, when we get to the real top end fast stuff, things like the um, the McLarens, the Lamborghinis, that, and yeah, like they'll use titanium mm -hmm. or rare alloys for the exhaust tailpipes, and they do discolor intentionally. And beautifully, in some it cases. does. Yeah, it looks absolutely stunning. Um, so before you start working, before you start attacking a McLaren P1's exhaust with Autosol and some Scotch Brite, please consult the customer because they are supposed to have a blue tinge or a purpley blue tinge to them. And it comes off amazingly easily with something like Autosol because it's, it's, it's a really fine, yes. gas-formed layer on the top. Yeah, it's it's it's. It takes some effort to get it to look that way, mm -hmm. uh, depending on how you drive. And a lot of car enthusiasts, like myself, want it there because it looks awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, don't just assume that you can attack every inch of uh, the vehicle without consulting the customer because there are certain things that give it character. And in most instances, a customer will appreciate being consulted regardless on these sort of things. You know, there's a lot of trust being enlisted in you uh, looking after these cars, and it's not necessarily that they're worth a lot of money. It's that they are, you know, full of character. You know, the, the supercar guys love their cars, be not because of how much they're worth. It's because of what they are and how they look and the little quirks that they have. You know, no supercar is perfect. They're all individually weird in their own ways. Um, so, yeah, the consultation with the customer is always key. Okay, well, like I say, this mini cast is getting less mini because there's such a lot we could talk about with it, but we're going to just briefly touch uh, before we finish up on protection. Yes. Because it's not the it's not the case of the the longest, hardest wearing is best for these no. sort of vehicles. No, it's, it's a tricky one for us because we see the merits of waxing and ceramics. The problem we have is that ceramics are... <laughs> 
they're great for the purpose they serve, but they are quite destructive in how they work and how they are removed and reapplied. And the problem is with a lot of supercars is the paint is scaringly thin already. Scarily. Scarily thin. Um, Concerningly. Concerningly. There we go. Uh, I mean, if we look at classic supercars like the Ferrari F40, the paint is so thin that you can see the texture of the carbon fibre through it. Um, so we don't want to apply a coating that's going to have to be abraded off again because we're taking paint off every time we do it. So, you know, the guys that are taking their GC3 RS to Spa and the Nürburgring and all over the UK doing track days, then yes, you know, a ceramic's going to really suit them. Although a PPF may even be better. Yeah, and nine times out of ten, it may be a mixture of the both, where you might have, uh, you know, there are coatings out there like Halo that are designed for PPF, but maybe they'll have half of the car PPF'd. Um, on the supercars that are sort of collector's cars that they're used infrequently, we're not going to see them doing 30,000 miles like the run-of-the-mill German four-door saloon diesel. Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily need to apply a 9H, 10H, five-year coating because the car won't cover the mileage and it's not going to be subjected to the environmental attacks that a normal car would. Um, and this is where waxes and polymers come back in. Uh, people always forget about polymers because they're kind of... It seems a bridging step, neither one yeah, nor the other. Yeah, they're sort of seen, seen for people who don't want to use a ceramic but want more than a wax. But that's not a bad thing. You know, if you want to add a protection that's more than a wax but not as extensive as a, as a ceramic, then polymers are great. Um, you know, and some of them you can apply with a machine. They take less than an hour to do. Um, and then for the cars that are really low use, go for a wax because the customer's more than likely going to do bits and bobs at home themselves. They're probably going to want to wash it and re-wax it themselves. And really, you're sort of facilitating, giving them the ability to look after it in between you visiting. And if they ever do get a, a small mark on an isolated panel, it's much easier to do a, a local area correction on something that's just got a wax on there because you've only got to take the wax off. If you've got ceramic on there, you've got to take it all off of that panel. Yeah, that's, that's, that's something that is often uh, people don't even consider is you're applying a ceramic coating on a car that barely goes anywhere. You know, that car might be having a cover put on it every other week it might be getting dry cleaned while you're not there someone's gonna it's gonna be parked in the garage and someone's going to walk a little bit too close mm, to it yeah somebody might accidentally put a box on the roof which i've seen happen way too many times some people put christmas trees on the roof of their cars i've seen that yeah it's not cool <laughs> um so you know you might need to do an isolated repair and if it's got a ceramic coating on it we've got to polish through the coating we've got to polish into the paint even more and it's more destructive processes to the paintwork on this car so if we've got a wax on there or a polymer it's just a case of a gentle removal of the polymer or wax which often can be done chemically mm -hmm. you know a quick um localized correction of the paintwork and then we're adding back onto it with wax and a polymer again so are there any situations though where a ceramic would be preferred for sure mac cars are notoriously difficult to look after mm -hmm. they're difficult for professionals to look after let alone home users um so you I can't fix them if they go wrong you can't it's 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 a one-shot finish um I think we're at the point now where body shops can can just about repair a panel without respraying the whole car. Um, whether they will or not, they'll probably still want to paint half the car. Um, 
ceramics are great for matte cars because they're highly chemical resistant. They're, they've got great oleophobic properties, which means that they sort of repel grease and oils and stuff, um, and they make them very easy to clean. The key is to make sure that you speak to your speak to the manufacturer of the coatings that you're looking at using and make sure they are compatible with matte surfaces. Um, there are some coatings out there that people assume are safe, but they might have gloss enhancers in them, color enhancers, darkening agents, stuff like that. And not only that, I'd also suggest probably getting it in writing from them in an email or something like that. Yeah. Because yeah. people will tell you something over the phone, and then as soon as something goes wrong, that story's changed very quickly. Yeah, and you can't polish a ceramic off a matte car. It's there for good. So once that's there, you can't polish it off. You've just got to apply it when you think it's worn off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, matte waxes exist. Um, opaque's a good wax. Swiss yeah, Swiftwax opaque's pretty good. It can be tricky on darker colours. Um, and the wrong temperature. Yeah, temperatures and stuff. There are matte polymers out there, so uh, things like Nanolex Matte Ultra, um, Nanolex Matte Spray Sealant is really good. That's Jet kind of an in-between. Jet Seal Matte, that was another one. <laughs> the... Um, yeah, so the the options are massive. You know, you can you can you can choose the right options out there, but the I would always steer towards sort of a polymer or a ceramic. Okay, so protection wise, you're still going to be looking at um, ceramics for things like or ceramic type products, I should say for things like glass and uh, bits of trim and things like that potentially. Yeah. But for paintwork, try and keep it on to shorter term stuff yeah and it works good for revenue as well you know if you're doing a car that only does 500 miles a year with a ceramic that would last five years in normal use it theoretically you shouldn't need to touch that car for 10 years it give all you know if the calculations work out yeah and overall it's going to benefit you as well because you're going to get the customer coming back more often yeah so you can reapply that wax once a year you can help with maintenance of it you can just generally you know create more revenue from that single customer than you would if you just coated it and never saw them again fab okay well that's us wrapped up on uh interior and protection then uh in summary for that though know your services know your materials because if you know those two aspects you know what you're dealing with um be informed on your chemicals you're using because that's going to have a massive effect on how they um how they affect those those surfaces yeah as long as you get that sorted treat them like a normal car but just have a bit more respect for the potential worst case scenario yeah the cost of replacement or the cost of repairs it's 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 one thing buying an indicator switch for a Vauxhall Astra and then it's another thing trying to find a a race switch for a 458 special confidence is fine as long as you can uh, back it up with results that's it Okay, well, thank you all for listening. As always, if you've got any burning topics you'd like to see covered in these mini-casts or any questions you want answered, do just message us through our social channels or leave a message in the comments, and we'll try to cover them in a future cast. That's all from us for now, though, so we hope to join you again very soon. Thanks very much. <laughs>